Numbers chapter 12 and verse number 1. The Bible says, And Miriam and Aram spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not, also, hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and to Miriam, Come out ye three unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And they three came out. And the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle in the cloud and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forth. And he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all mine house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently uh, and not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall he beheld. Behold, wherefore then were ye not afraid of, to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. The cloud departed from off the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not this sin upon us, wherein we have done foolishly, and wherein we have sinned. Let her not be as one dead, of whom the flesh is half consumed when he cometh out of his mother's womb. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Heal, heal her now, O God, I beseech thee. And the Lord said unto Moses, If her father hath spit in her face, should she not be ashamed seven days? Let her be shut out from the camp seven days, and after that let her be received in again. And Miriam was shut out from the camp seven days, and the people journeyed not till Miriam was brought in again. And afterward, the people removed from Hazareth and pitched in the wilderness of Paran. Father, I pray this morning, God, that you'll give us liberty. Lord, I ask you to help us this morning. Lord, so much has been sung about heaven, and I know that, Lord, we're soon going there. And I pray, Father, that you will speak to every heart this morning. Take the word of God and give us ears to hear and hearts to listen. And Father, we do not know the will of God completely as what you may be doing in the hearts of people but we pray, God, that your will would be accomplished this morning. Save the lost and reclaim the backslid. And we'll thank you and praise you. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to preach this morning on this subject, on standing against the man of God. Standing against the man of God. And I want you to notice in chapter 12 this morning that this chapter is really not as much about a person as it is a principle. When you think about Moses this morning, and we'll say something about Moses here in just a few moments, but the message uh, that God has for these other two individuals is not so much about Moses, but the person, but it's about a principle uh, that is in their life, a principle that they <clears throat> need to learn, one that they should not, uh, that they should never forget. When you think about uh, this text this morning, I want you to notice five simple things this morning about standing against the man of God. First of all, I want you to see in verses one through three here, I want you to notice the people who stood against the man of God. Notice the relationship in verse number one. As the Bible said, it was Moses and it was Aaron, or it was Miriam and it was Aaron. They spake against Moses. Now, when you think about these two individuals here, that's very important when you think about the relationship because Miriam, if you have a Rock of Ages Bible, it'll tell you this, that Miriam was at least 12 years older than Moses. Uh, than 
Moses was and Aaron was uh, about three years older than Moses and so uh, they felt like because of their age that they had somewhat of authority. But I want to say this morning that God uh, does not work on an age process, amen? Uh, God gives the authority divinely unto whom he wants to give it to and he takes it away as he wants to. You remember Saul was given that authority and because of the sin of Saul, uh, God took that authority away and he gave it to the youngest uh, of Jesse's boys. Isn't that right? And so there's the relationship of these people that are standing against the man of God. And then there's the reason. Notice what the Bible says here. It said that uh, uh, that Moses and Aaron, uh, Aaron spake against, or Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because uh, of the Ethiopian woman who he had married. Now, uh, they didn't think Moses married in the will of God. They didn't think it was God's will. Uh, they didn't think that Moses had any business doing that, not realizing who Moses was, so they stood against him. They spake against the man of God. Now, when you think about that this morning, it's very interesting because Miriam and Aaron uh, were two of Moses' biggest supporters. And you think about Aaron and her in Exodus chapter 17 and verse number 12. It was Aaron and her that held up the hands of the man of God. They held Moses' hands up at one time. They were standing on Moses' side. They were being a help and being an aid to him. And you know that's interesting that oftentimes uh, uh, the went ones that will stand against the man of God is ones that at one time they stood for him. They were his biggest supporters. And so uh, the reason is because Moses now makes a decision that they don't feel is the will of God. They don't understand. You know, sometimes you don't understand everything the preacher does. Y'all gonna have to help me this morning because we're not in a Methodist church. Somebody say amen. And I'm gonna preach whether you say amen or not, but it sure helps the atmosphere, doesn't it? You know, this morning... You may be here and say, well, preacher, and I'm not so foolish to think this. Uh, You probably, surely you haven't agreed with every decision I've made. I I don't think nobody would say 100% that they agree with anybody on any decision that they make. You say, preacher, does that bother you? Doesn't bother me in the least. And I'll tell you why. Because I don't agree with every decision that I've had to make, amen? Uh, But you know what a, a true servant of God will do? He will not make decisions based on what he wants, uh, but rather on what God wants, amen? And decisions are not made uh, out of conveniency because of what is convenient, but they're made because what is right, amen? And doing the right thing uh, is always the right thing to do, but it may not always be the easiest thing to do, uh, but God honors it, God blesses it, and it's for the benefit of everybody that is involved, amen? Now Moses was that kind of man, and Moses knew the will of God. He was a man of God. He had proven himself. He had walked with God, and they spake against him and the reason was because they didn't agree with his decision. Not only the response and the, or the reason and the relationship but notice the response. Look at what they say in verse number three. And they said, hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Now watch this next question. Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. You see what you see in that text here is their response is a question on Moses and a highlight upon themselves. 
Has God only spoken by Moses? Is Moses the only one that knows the will of God? Is he the only one that that we're supposed to to listen to? Again, it's not the person, it's a principle. They don't have a problem with the person. They have a problem with the principle. They don't want to follow what Moses is saying. They don't want to do what Moses is. They don't agree with what Moses has done. I want to tell you, there's a lot of people, it wouldn't matter who's standing behind the pulpit. It wouldn't matter who the pastor is. It wouldn't matter who the deacons is. Uh, their problem's not the person. Their problem's a principle. That's why they've been members of 10 or 15 different churches. Uh, that's why they church hop and church swap. Uh, and listen, more than we swap shoes. You know why? They got a principle problem. Somebody say amen. Uh, I'm talking about, friend, we're living in a time uh, uh, when we're living in a generation that no longer respects and loves the men of God like they used to. You say, preacher, why are you preaching that? One, because it's in the Bible. Uh, two, because God laid it on my heart. And three, because we all need to be reminded of it. Amen. I'll tell you one of these days I won't be here and when I'm gone whoever comes behind I want it to be easy for him and I want there to be a generation that understands. Listen if you want the blessings of God you get behind the man of God. He's not perfect and he's not going to do everything right but you get behind him and you stay with him because it's the principle it's the right thing to do. Amen. You say, preacher, are you promoting yourself? If that's all you get out of this sermon, you got problems. It's not the person you got a problem with, it's the principle. Brother, I'm telling you, listen, I sure ain't gonna call somebody to come in and preach it, amen. Is that right? I were to preach the whole council of the word of God. And this morning, they, they spake against him. It, listen, Moses wasn't asking for accolades. Uh, uh, Moses wasn't asking for pats on the back. Uh, uh, Moses wasn't asking for a crispy handshake. Uh, uh, Moses wasn't asking somebody uh, to take him down to the local steakhouse and buy him a porterhouse. Uh, Moses wasn't asking for a new car. Uh, uh, Moses didn't want to, uh, listen, a raise in his salary. Listen, you know what Moses wanted? Uh, he just wanted their support. Uh, he just wanted them to get behind. Him. He just wanted them to pull in the same direction. He wanted them to stand on the same side so that God would bless them and God would bless him. If you read this text closely, you find out when you stand against the man of God, it doesn't hurt the man of God. It hurts those who stand against him, amen, because it angers the Lord, amen. And the response is covered up with a spiritual question. That's what people do. They use the Bible in so many ways and avenues to make themselves look good. A servant of God will not use the Bible to elevate their flesh. Somebody say amen. In fact, you see his reputation in verse number three. Moses, now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. That's a very important verse in this text and I'm gonna tell you why. Because you got two people speaking against the man of God and then God just pins his reputation down in verse number three and what that tells me is this, don't listen to people, amen? Don't listen to personality. Look at who someone is criticizing. Look at what they're doing. Look at their character. Look at their their reputation. Look at their integrity. I know that reputation is what people think you are but in our text here, uh, God tells us what he thinks about Moses uh, and we know that whatever God thinks about Moses uh, will always be right. Amen. And in this text here uh, many times I've watched people get poisoned uh, by other people in the church uh, uh, because maybe they got sideways uh, or maybe they were on their way out and why is it whenever people leave they've always got to take somebody with them. Amen. And I'll tell you that's what Miriam uh, and that's what Aaron decided. Uh, uh, we're not just going to keep this quiet. Uh, we're going to go 
to others? Why didn't they go to Moses? Amen. Why didn't they talk to Moses and God? But you know what? They didn't have the guts to go to Moses even though he was the meekest man on all the earth. You know what they did? They went to somebody else. I see here the people who stood against the man of God. Then notice with me this morning the problem was standing against the man of God. I thought about it when I read this text. I thought, what is the big deal about standing against the man of God? Notice the action here. The Bible said in verse number four, and the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam. Come out ye three unto the tabernacle, the congregation, and the three came out. They're called out by God. You know, God will always call them them out that stand against him. Amen. Now I want to tell you, whenever somebody stands against the church or they stand against the man of God, you ought to mark them, the Bible says, and don't have any fellowship with them. Somebody say amen right there. That's not what I said. That's what God said in that book. Them that walk disorderly, God said you distance yourself from them. You stay away from them. In other words, you don't take them out to eat. They'll poison you, amen? You say, is that an occult? No, that's Bible. That's what that book says. When someone raises a, a listen up against the church or they raise up against a man of God, you don't listen, pat them on the head. You don't sugarcoat them. You don't tell them it's gonna be okay. You don't become their best friend, no. The Bible says you put a mark on them. You know why? Because God put a mark on them, amen and that mark is there until they get right and I want to tell you, listen, if you stand against a man of God, you can go to 15 other churches, you can hold 25 other positions, but until you go back and humble yourself and make things right every bit of worship, every bit of works everything you're doing, it's in vain friend, until you repent, says what people do, They, they stir the devil up in one church and they go join another one you know what would stop that mess if people wouldn't let them join? Somebody say amen. You say, preacher, you surely, you had not never done that. Well, I'm going to plead the fifth right there. Amen. I'm going to tell you, there's people come in. I, listen, I knew they've been trouble in 10 different churches. Hey, there's one thing we don't want is trouble. Somebody say amen. Is that right? You know what a shepherd does? And I know I'm the under-shepherd, but you know what the under-shepherd does? He keeps an eye on that flock, amen? And if he sees a wolf coming in, hey, listen, it's his responsibility to mark the wolf and then shoot the wolf, amen? I'll tell you, listen, if you just preach the Bible, it'll shoot them, amen? Hey, been a few times, I knew some people heard the first sermon and they heard the last, amen? I didn't want it to be that way, but I knew it was for the good of the church and the glory of God. And I say, let them go join another church and reap havoc somewhere else, amen? But it ought to mean something to be a member of a church. Are y'all still with me this morning? It ought to mean something to stand behind the preacher. Are y'all still with me on that? It ought to mean something, listen, to stand behind the membership of the church. I'm saying this morning, there's a problem and the action wasn't on Moses' part. It was on God's part. Amen. You notice Moses didn't call them out. God called them out. Brother, there's been more times than none when I knew things were brewing in this church. And you know what I did? I went to my knees. I didn't call them out. Now, when God says preach it, I'll pull a hammer back and preach it and won't ask no questions about it, just like this morning. You say, are there any problems, Brother Gravely? I don't know of one problem right now. But I also know God don't send sermons just to be sending them. Maybe it's preventive maintenance. Maybe it's in the heart of somebody. Or maybe we just need a good reminding this morning. I don't know. I don't wait till problems come to start hammering them, amen. Let's just preach on it when it's not there so that if it raises its ugly head up, everybody will notice what it is for what it is. Is that right? 
And here's the thing, is that they're the problem. God takes action. God will always come to the preacher's defense if he's right. God will always stand in his corner. God will always help him if he does what is right. And Moses is doing what is right. There's the admonishment. God speaks to Miriam and Aaron. In verse five and six, the Lord came down in the pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and he called Aaron and Miriam and they both come forward. Notice they're all there. Moses is a witness, but he calls these two forward. They're standing before God. God in verse number six he says hear now my words if there be a prophet among you I the Lord will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream my servant Moses is not so who is faithful in all my house Uh, listen God says I want you to know this in verse number eight with him will I speak mouth to mouth Uh, God said I want you to know something my man and my mouthpiece is Moses uh, and just because Miriam you've had a dream or two uh, and because you've been used uh, it doesn't put you on the same level as a man of God. Somebody say amen right there. He say, oh, but preacher, you're just flesh and I'll be the first to tell you that. Uh, but brother, you better look past the flesh uh, and you better look past the person uh, and you better see the principle of this text uh, and what God is saying right here. Uh, listen, it'll do you well uh, to get in a church and get under a man of God uh, and submit to that authority and listen, hold his hands up and pray for him as he prays for you uh, and God will bless both of us for it. Isn't that right? I notice the admonishment, the anger. Notice God is angry in verse number nine. The anger of the Lord was kindled against them. The abandonment, the Bible says he departed. I'm gonna tell you something. If you want God to walk away from you in your life, go against the church. Can I get a witness on that? Go against your pastor. You say, well, I know I'm right. Well, If you're willing to take that gamble, friend, but it's a costly gamble. Don't you think if a pastor prays for you, he don't know everything about your life. Don't you think if a pastor prays for you that if you're wrong or if you're right and he's wrong, don't you think the Holy Ghost will tell that man he's wrong? Friend, if the Holy Ghost don't tell him he's wrong and he's not going against the Bible, you better listen to what he has to say. It's why I'd never say anything bad about the pastor. You know what I found out in 21 years of pastoring? Listen, you don't listen, you can stand against the pastor and never say anything. All you gotta do is just never say nothing for him. I've watched it down through the years. I'm not talking about putting a preacher on a pedestal. I'm not talking about man worship. But I've watched people down through the years, a little red antenna would go up, amen, the Holy Spirit would send it up. When people have a problem with authority, they'll never maybe go against that authority, but they're bypassing it all the time whether it be the pastor, whether it be his wife, whether it be the deacons, whether it be a Sunday school teacher, they always got to go around that authority. They don't like that authority that's in their life. Hey, that's a heart problem, friend. That's a serious problem. What you notice in this text is not only the problem uh, with standing against the man of God, but you notice the punishment. God has punishment for those that go against the man of God. Look at verse number 10. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became a leprous, white as snow. Notice that God's judgment failed once God left the building, amen? When God walks out of a person's life, you mark it down, he's put a judgment sentence upon them. He's pronounced judgment on them. In this case, it was swift, amen? As soon as the presence of God leaves, Miriam is is stricken with leprosy. The Bible says, hey, listen, the wheels of God's judgment, sometimes they grind fast, sometimes they grind slow. But listen, whether they, listen, they may grind slow, but they're surely grinding, amen? And sometimes it's not the 
the wheel. Sometimes it's like in this text. It's the hammer of God's judgment. The difference between that wheel and that hammer is that God is so angry with him. There's no time to wait. And God's hammer of judgment falls because of the nature of their sin. They're going against that authority. Brother, I'm telling you this morning, I never want to be guilty of standing against the man of God. I never want to put my lips on another preacher. There are preachers today that I don't agree with 100%. There are preachers today we don't see eye to eye. There are preachers that we preach together. And there are things that we differ on greatly. But I'm going to let them do their God's, I'm going to let them do what God has called them to do. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. And we're all going to face the judgment seat by ourselves for ourselves. And at the judgment seat, my life won't be about their life and their life won't be about my life. I've got enough to give an account for and I've got enough that I wished I could have cleaned up a long time ago uh, to ever criticize someone else. Uh, I'm telling you, friend, uh, and there's the possibility that by, while I may be saying something about them and think I'm right, there's a possibility I could be wrong. Isn't that right? Uh, and so I'd rather just give an account for what I didn't say as to have to give an account for what I did say. And Miriam and Moses Moses, uh, notice they didn't uh, get, listen, they didn't start an insurrection and try to get Moses overthrown uh, or get him out. They just spoke against him. God took that so serious uh, that the judgment was swift uh, and the judgment was severe. Leprosy assured death. Isn't that right? Saddest thing for any man of God is to go to a graveside where you know God judged somebody. Preachers, we don't talk about those things. We're never going to say, well, God judged them. But it's in the back of your mind. I remember attending the funeral of a young girl that I went to school with and my wife went to school with that God judged because they spoke against the preacher. You don't hear that preached much anymore. We're in a as Brother David said it so well, it wasn't eloquent, but it was well. And I like it that way, don't you? We're living in a day when preachers think that if they can be a politician, if they can just run around the, the church making everybody happy, saying what everybody wants to hear. I like to say what people like to hear, don't you? I sure don't want to say what they don't want to hear. And uh, I like to make everybody happy. I sure don't want to make them mad. I mean, there's something wrong if you like to go around and make people mad, but I have met a few people like that, and you? Uh, but I'll tell you, you want to make everybody happy, uh, but we're living in such a sugar-coated day. Uh, listen, when preachers think that if they got it running out both sides of their mouth, uh, their church is going to grow. It may swell, uh, but there's no respect. There's no integrity. Uh, listen, I think it's an insult to your intellect today uh, for me to say that that's what you would want. Uh, I think if you, if we be honest this morning, you want the same thing I want. Uh, you just want the truth, plain and simple, and told like God said it, and no other way. Amen. And the fact is, I can't sugarcoat this chapter. There's no sugar in it. Amen. Uh, there's nothing sweet about it. It's just what it is, uh, and we just preach it the way it is, uh, and we just have to take it the way it is. Uh, maybe some love it. 
it. Maybe some don't, but it's the Bible. Isn't that right? It's what God said in this book. And there is a swift and there is a severe. And I want you to know this morning, there is a very scary punishment for those that go against the man of God. You say, well, preacher, what if you're wrong? I'll tell you something. I have been. I'll tell you something else about that. Every time I am, number one, God lets me know. And number two, if I don't listen, he'll deal with me. Is that right this morning? Is that not the way he works in your life? The punishment. Aaron admits in verse number 11, they've sinned. That's a must today. When you go against the man of God, you have to go back and make it right. You have to go back to that church and say you're sorry to that pastor, that preacher you've wronged. You have to stand before that church and say, I'm sorry. I remember preaching one time in a service, and, and I don't know why I preached this. It was Christmas. Well, I do know why, but at the time I didn't know why, Brother Laddie. It was Christmas time, and uh, we were having a service over there, and uh, family had came and visited that Sunday night, and uh, I was preaching. don't even know what I was preaching, but in that in that sermon, I said something about Santa Claus. How many of y'all believe in Santa Claus? Okay. I knew Ruby Cape had problems anyway, so that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> but I said something. You know, if you say, you can say all you, all, you can say anything you want to about Satan, but you better not say nothing about Santa. And I'm going to tell you, it's not kids that get mad when you talk about Santa, it's adults. I said something about Santa one Sunday, and this kid goes, oh! I shot, I reckon I broke the news to him. He wasn't real. Oh, his mother got mad. But anyway, another story. At night, I said something. This is all I said. I said, and would you believe that some people get mad because the pastor won't let you have a Santa Claus in the church? Now, that's the most warp. You want to warp your children. Amen. Bring Santa in holding baby Jesus and they won't believe in neither one of them in the end. Is that right? And I just made a little statement like that and went on preaching, no problem. And I said, and if you ever get mad at your pastor because he won't uh, have Santa in the church, you ought to go back and get right. Well, would you believe there was a couple that had got mad and left the church because the pastor said we're not having Santa in the church anymore. And so they left the church and stirred the devil up and thought they'd come to good old Bible Baptist Church and start visiting with us on a Sunday night. I didn't know who they were, didn't know what they had done. All I seen was them packing up and leaving in the middle of the sermon and I thought well I don't know what's going on there. The pastor called me that night and said do you know what you did? <laughs> I said I didn't do nothing. <laughs> you know what they did? They got in their car. They drove to the other end of town. They got in time for the end of that service and they stood before the church and made a public apology to their pastor and to their church. I'm going to tell you something. I thank God for that, don't you? You used to see that all the time, but you don't see that anymore. I see the punishment, the scariness of this. 
I see the prayer. Notice Moses in verse number 13. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Heal her now, O God, I beseech thee. And the Lord said unto Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, he should be ashamed seven days. Now, I want you to think about a couple things here. Moses calls on God for two people that spoke against him. Is that not something? I want to tell you something. A real man of God will never despise people that despise him. He'll never want to hurt people that try to hurt him. He'll never try to go against people that go against him. Moses was the meekest man in all the earth and Moses when he saw the condition of Miriam and he saw listen the conviction that was on Aaron and Moses he could have very well looked at them and said I'm sorry you, you, you dug your own hole here you've made your own bed and you're going to have to face your own consequences but here we see the tears and the tenderness of Moses in spite of what they'd done he still loved them he prayed for them and he got in touch to heaven on their behalf they couldn't get a hold of God but Moses could get a hold of God. You hear me and hear me well. You know why you better never go against a pastor if he's right with God? Because one day you may need his prayers. You may need him to pray for you. I don't know that I like this sermon. Well, it's just in the book. He touched heaven for those. I think God allows pastors to go through things like that because it keeps us where we need to be at. There'd be a danger if everybody we ever pastored loved us to the end of the world. I I wish that I never pastored another troubled church member. Wouldn't that be wonderful? It's not reality. Sometimes I problem people come in the church and I've said it to my wife personally many times. I said, well, it'd be easy if they left because the problems would leave. But I said, at least we know where the problems are. Amen. Some problems I don't know about scares me. Amen. And I've watched people go through problems in their own life because they stood against the church. They stood against the pastor. You said, preacher, I've never confronted a pastor. No, but what if you got off in the closed corner somewhere and said to someone about it? What if you sit around the dinner table? What if you, it may not even be me, it may be someone else. You say, well, preacher, it was just, it was just done in the form of a prayer request. Boy, I tell you, don't you like those prayer requests? I got people praying for me and people praying against me, but either way, people's praying. Isn't that right? I want to tell you this morning, I think that we ought to be reminded it's a fearful thing to cross God's deadline in those areas. Moses prayed for him. A real man of God will pray for the good ones and he'll pray for the bad ones. And let's just face it, they're bad ones. Can I get an amen right there? We got more unity in our church than I think we've ever had. But do you know that could change overnight? So, but preacher, I, I'd never, never, never stand against you. There's been a lot of them said that. You know why a lot of pastors are compromising? I'm not making I'm not making excuse for what I'm about to say. It's just a fact. You know why a lot of pastors have compromised today? They're tired of the fight, friend. They are tired of fussing and grumbling, and they're tired of trying to 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 be a mediator. They're tired. You see, Moses and Aaron. I mean, Miriam and Aaron was on Moses' side until things didn't work out the way they wanted it to. 
Preachers get tired of that sometimes. They get tired of hearing stuff. You say, have you heard anything? No, I haven't heard anything, but I'm still preaching it. And the principle, I see the last thing, the principle of standing against the man of God is verse 15 and 16. What is the principle of all this? Miriam was shut out from the camp seven days. Notice this, and the people journeyed not till Miriam was brought in again. You know what the principle of this is? Is there's shame when you sin. When we sin, there is shame. If you feel no shame when you sin, then you've not truly repented. I've watched people. I've watched people. They say they repent, but there's no shame. Even in forgiveness, there's a shame. When I'd wronged my dad and he'd wear me out for it, I'd repent. I, I, re, I remember an incident one time. When I, when I did it, I wasn't, I wasn't saved. But when I did it, immediately I knew when my daddy finds this out, oh, I'm in a heap of trouble. And I'm going to tell you something. I like I school days like this. You got paddled at school. You got whipped by your mother when you got home. And she, she prophesied that when daddy got home, you got, by the time you got the third whipping and then you went to bed without any supper. Don't you wish those days now, you know what parents do now? They, why did you do this? Because they got a fallen nature is why they did it. But I remember, I mean, I got the devil beat out of me all afternoon. From the schoolhouse to my house. And I remember I was laying in the bed and I, I went in there and I told my dad, he was sitting there reading the paper, and I said, Daddy, I, went, I got up out of the bed, I went there and I said, I'm sorry. I said, I'll never do that again, I promise. I'll never do that again. And you know what? By the grace of God, I didn't, but I'll tell you something. For the next two or three days, I was ashamed when I got around him. He didn't, ask, he didn't have to ask me to go mow the yard. I got, I got as far away from him as I could. I want to make sure he cooled down. <laughs> There's no shame in sin for people today. They just sin and go on down the road like it never happened. Or they, they don't listen to the pastor when he says, hey, you don't need to do this. I'm telling you, I've talked to God about it and it's not right. Oh, but preacher, I, I know, I know, I know. I don't think God's the author of confusion this morning. The principle is, is that standing against the man of God, it hurts you and it hinders others. The Bible says that the people journeyed not till Miriam was brought again. Hey, listen, they couldn't go anywhere until Miriam could get back in the camp. And you know what sin will do to you? It'll put you out of the camp. Standing against the man of God, it puts you on the outs. You get something in your heart you don't like or you get offended or or you, or you let something grow. You can be in here, but out there the whole time. You're here, but you're not here. And you begin to wonder why things are changing in your life. This morning, I ask you to just do inventory. I, I, I'm preaching this for one reason. God is my witness with a King James Bible in my hand. I want you to know this. I am not preaching this because I heard anything. In fact, if I heard something, I would just go to the person and say, hey, I heard this. Can we talk about this? Let's resolve this. That's what I would rather do. I'm just preaching it because this week I read Numbers 12 and the Holy Ghost said, preach that. Preach that. Standing against the man of God. I could take you to the graveyard of a man in the town where I'm from. Brother Mitchell, you know right where the graveyard is. It's not far from your house. 
And right there on the courthouse lawn, he put his hands, he just put his hands on the shoulder of a man of God. And in less than 24 hours, he was in eternity. You know what God did? He made an example. An example. This morning, I ask you as we stand, it's not about it's not about praising or worshiping or magnifying a man. This morning it's about a principle of God-given divine authority that's been placed in all of our life. We have it. Even the pastor has it. Do we submit to it? Do we listen to it? You may be here and say, I'll never say anything against a preacher. No, but do you listen? Do you listen? Are you hearing what the man of God is saying to you this morning? And as we sing, if you need to come, you obey God this morning.